0: Okay, okay, okay. Good to see you guys tonight. Man, so glad that it's Monday again. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open those up to Matthew chapter 14. That's where we're going to be hanging out tonight, Matthew 14. If you guys don't know me, if you're new, if this is your first time with us, welcome. My name is Jesse. I'm college pastor here. And so I have the awesome opportunity each week to hang out with you guys and, and to dive into God's Word together. So if this is your first time here, we're in a series that we just started. In fact, this is a great night to be here because really last week was just kind of an introduction, really getting us ready for what we're going to start diving into tonight. So, quick recap, if you went here. Uh, last week we talked about Jesus and the Canaanite woman. And so, the story is this woman has a daughter who's demon possessed, and she constantly keeps asking Jesus to heal her daughter, and Jesus keeps saying no. And we talked about how that passage makes us feel really uncomfortable because we have this mindset well, we're afraid to say no, right? At all possible costs, we will say yes to people. But if we want to learn the art of saying no, what we have to realize is that Jesus says no. And so if we want to be more like Jesus, then we have to learn to say no like Jesus does. And so that's the whole point of this series. That's the whole reason we're going through this is we're looking at certain things that we usually say yes to and we're finding out how we can say no to it. And in doing so, our goal and our desire is to look more like the person we follow. And so tonight, Matthew chapter 14 is going to help us do that. And if you don't have your Bible with you, don't worry. We'll have the verses on the screen so you can just follow along with us there. That's where we're going to be tonight, Matthew chapter 14. So like many of you, I grew up going to church. See, my dad was a pastor. And so you can imagine I was in church all the time as a kid, all the time. But I actually was not the stereotypical pastor's kid, right? Pastor's kids get bad reps because they just like hate life and and hate having to be at church. But I wasn't like that. In fact, I actually loved being at church. In fact, I enjoyed being at church so much that I went to two youth groups growing up because I wanted to. One with my friends and then one at my dad's church. I mean, I, I just loved going to church. But see, I didn't just enjoy doing stuff at church. I also enjoyed doing Christian stuff outside of church. Like, for example, when I was in middle school, me and a group of my friends thought it would be really cool to make these Christian t-shirts to sell to people. And the t-shirts that we got, the front of it, the top part said, Freaks for Life. Subtitle, We'll Always Be Jesus Freaks. Yeah, please laugh at that. Please, please laugh at that. And so... It was based upon the DC's talk song, Jesus Freak. If you never heard it before, don't listen to it. Um, it was really cool back in the 90s. It was not cool back when we were making these t-shirts. And so we came up with this, but this, it gets better because we weren't just basing this upon that song. There actually was a remix of that song. by the, It's called the Goatee Brothers Freaked Out Remix. It's a real thing. It's on YouTube, and I know that because I listened to it last night. And in, And in this song, there's actually a rap part. And that was what we put on the back of the shirts, was the rap rap part of the song, which actually, unapologetically, I still know word for word the song. I can still rap it. Um, Not, but I can. But, I mean, we were just, like, so hyped about this whole Jesus thing that we made these T-shirts, right? But when I wasn't selling really cheesy Christian merch, I was also involved as an FCA leader in middle school. When I got to high school, I co-led a Bible study for the football team that I was a part of. And then when I got to college, I was heavily, heavily involved in a college ministry basically similar to this one. So I say all that about myself to tell you that my faith in Jesus played a huge role in my life growing up, a huge role in my life. But even though on the outside I look like the poster boy for Christianity, throughout all of that, there were times that I faced some really big inner struggles. Like when I was in ninth grade and I go to the, my living room where my parents are, where my parents are hanging out, and with hesitation I tell them, I'm not sure if Christianity is the religion that I wanna follow. Or my freshman year of college when I'm sitting at a church in a car with one of my best friends and we're talking about our faith and in frustration I tell him I'm not sure if I think this stuff is real anymore. And even after I graduated college and I'm at a family reunion at a Charlie's of all places and my dad is proudly introducing me as his son who's about to go to seminary. And as he's doing that, I specifically remember getting this sick feeling in my stomach. Because I'm not even sure if I'm even a Christian. And I could go on and on. Because like my faith, doubt has also played a huge role in my life. Huge role. And so tonight as we talk about doubt, as we talk about the subject, please know this is a personal subject for me. A personal topic. In fact, I'll be honest with you guys, this message that we're going to be jumping into tonight, hardest message I've done all semester. And I think that's why. And so tonight, my goal is very, very simple. My goal is to help you along this journey as somebody who's on this journey with you. And if you're struggling with doubt tonight Please know that I know where you are, and there is a good chance, based upon my track record, that I'm going to be there again someday. And so really what I want us to do tonight is just talk about this. I want to tell you guys kind of what I've learned in this process. So that next time doubt comes into your life, or if doubt is currently in your life, you'll know how to best handle it. And so tonight, to kind of help us do that, we're going to be looking at a familiar passage in Scripture. One that if you grew up in church, you've definitely heard before. And it's the story of when Peter walks on water. And the, and the goal is to look at this story and to see as Peter goes through this serious time of doubt to see what we can learn from it. But before we dive into that, let me, let me tell you just a little bit about some context just to kind of get you familiar with what's going on. All right. so Jesus has just got done feeding 5,000 people. And he's at the point that he, he wants to just kind of get away and spend some time one-on-one with his father. And so he tells the disciples, he says, hey, you guys go ahead and get in the boat. You go ahead and head across the Sea of Galilee, and then I'll kind of catch up with you guys later. And they're like, cool boss. So they get into the boat. They kind of start to make their way across. Jesus goes up to the mountain, and he begins to pray. But as he's up there praying, he looks, and he sees them in this boat, and they're struggling to make it across because this storm is there. And so he decides to help them out. But instead of doing the normal thing that somebody would do in that situation and getting in a boat and going after them, Jesus, because he's not normal, right, he's, he's got the whole guy thing going on, he decides to just walk on the water, right, just make it simple, and he just walks on the water out to them. And so for very obvious reasons, they begin to freak out a little bit, right? They think he's a ghost, right? They don't understand what's happening. And that's what we pick up in our story in verse 27, It says, but immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Now, every other one of the gospels that mentioned this story stops right here. But Matthew tells us about something else that happens in verse 28. It says, and Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. So once everybody kind of calms down because Jesus is like, look, don't freak out. This is only me. Peter realizes what Jesus is doing is pretty crazy. And so he wants to have some of this. So he asked Jesus, hey, but can, I, can I come out here and join you? And Jesus is like, yeah, boy, come on. That's actually the exact translation from the Greek. And so... Um, So Peter gets out there, right? And so in that moment, Peter does something that nobody else in this boat is brave enough to do. Peter gets out of it. Peter gets out of this boat, and he doesn't just get out and stand there. Instead, he gets out of this boat, and he walks on the water as he makes his way towards Jesus. I mean, just think about that. Just think about how much courage it took Peter to do this. How much he had to trust Jesus just to get out of the boat and to stand on something that we all know people don't stand on. And then how much faith he had to have in Jesus with every step that he took going closer and closer towards him. Just trusting that Jesus wasn't going to let him sink. I mean, this is crazy. And based upon, about, based upon what is about to happen, I know that Peter so often gets blasted in this story. But Peter is the only one of the disciples who trusts Jesus enough to ask him to come out of the boat and then does it. And here's why I point that out. Because so often we associate spiritual doubt with spiritual weakness. Right? So often you know, we, we understand if somebody who's just becoming a follower of Jesus decides to doubt something. Right? We understand if somebody who's immature in their faith starts to go up some struggles in their life. Right, we get that, but, but we feel like somebody who's been a Christian for a while, right? somebody who's been following Jesus for a while, somebody like us, we don't feel like that should be happening. Right, We feel like somebody who has a strong faith like us shouldn't be wrestling with some of the things that we wrestle with and definitely shouldn't be thinking some of the thoughts that we think. And so what happens is we go through doubt and we find ourselves thinking that something is wrong with us. But see, this passage shows us that that's not true. Because remember, Peter is the only one who has enough faith to get out of the boat. The only one who has enough faith to believe that Jesus is going to hold him there as the dude defies gravity. And so Peter decides to jump out of this boat. And he puts his faith in Jesus at a level that he's never done before. And honestly, at a level that probably none of us in this room have ever done. And his confidence in Jesus was higher in that moment than it's ever been. And so when we doubt, it doesn't mean that we have a weak faith and it definitely doesn't mean that something is wrong with us. Don't let the enemy make you think that. Because what we're about to find out in this story is so often our biggest moments of doubt come right after our greatest moments of trust. Because as Peter is sitting there hanging out with Jesus on this lake, listen, listen to what happens in verse 30. He says, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Right, so as Peter is having this crazy adrenaline rush, right, he is hanging out on the waves with Jesus. All of a sudden, he sees something. He sees the wind. He sees the waves that are all around him. And when he does, he gets scared. He gets afraid because now he's not in the boat right, that can protect him. But instead, he's out here in the open where all these waves can easily come and easily toss him around. And so because he sees this, he goes from trusting to doubting, and he begins to sink. And he cries out to Jesus because he's afraid he's going to drown. You see, the, the reason that Peter wrestles with doubt here on this water is the same reason that we wrestle with doubt in our lives. Because we're just living our lives out on the water. We're living in this relationship with Jesus where we're growing. We feel like we're looking more like him. Right? We're just trusting him with all the stuff that is happening in our lives. And then all of a sudden, something happens. All of a sudden, something happens. We see something. And it scares us. Right? Maybe we're on YouTube and we randomly go across this video that talks about religion and science. And it makes some pretty good points, some stuff that we've never really thought about before. And then we start worrying that maybe all the stuff that we've been taught as a kid really isn't true. Or maybe we go home one weekend and we're hanging out with their parents on a Friday night. And over dinner, they kind of open up with us and they tell us that their marriage has really been struggling lately. And then as they fight back tears, they tell us that they've decided to get a divorce. or maybe after we have fallen into that same sin that we just can't move past and we're sitting there just feeling guilty because of what just happened. We start to think about this question that frightens us. That because I keep doing that, what if that means I'm not really a Christian? All of these are these scary situations that we face. And so often they just come out of nowhere. And like we when we go through this, what we find ourselves doing is focusing on the fear that's right in front of us. We find ourselves looking at the fear that is right in front of our faces. And so even though doubt can take all different forms, what we see at the core of it is the same. Is that we doubt when fear becomes our focus. We doubt in our lives when fear becomes our focus. Because think about it. That's exactly what's happening to Peter in this story. Exactly what's going on, right? Peter's hanging out with Jesus, right? He's doing this awesome thing that nobody else was willing to do. And then all of a sudden he sees something. And he starts to doubt because he focuses on his fear, right? This storm that was coming instead of focusing on Jesus. You see, the same thing happens to us. And the reason we are doubting our lives is because we're focusing on something that scares us. Right, ever since we saw that video, we just can't help be afraid that maybe everything that we've been taught about Christianity all these years is wrong. Right, as we live with the fear and the frustration of our parents getting divorced, we just can't fathom this idea that there's a God who really cares about us because if he did, there's no way he would allow this to happen. Or right, when we just keep messing up and we just feel so distant from God, we just can't help but think that maybe we're just fooling ourselves and that our faith really isn't real. All these moments, they come in our lives. Because, like Peter, we see something that causes us to think that the ground that we're standing on, that the surface that we're standing on, is shaky. And so we doubt. We doubt because we're focusing on this fear. And as Peter is looking at these waves and this fear is starting to overwhelm him, Jesus hears this cry for help. And he decides to meet Peter right where he is. And that's what we see in verse 31. It says, Jesus immediately reached out his hands and took hold of him, saying to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? All right, as Peter... Becomes focused on his fear, right? When he allows his fear to consume him, Jesus reaches out and meets Peter and grabs him and keeps him from drowning. And then what happens next is so great. Because he doesn't shame Peter, right? He doesn't make Peter feel belittled because of what just happened. Instead, he just looks at Peter and he asks Peter a simple question. A question that essentially says, Peter, why don't you trust me? Have I mean, you been with me for how long now? Right? You know me, Peter. You know what I can do. I remember that time when they had to lower that paralyzed man who was desperate for help down to me. What did I do? Right? I forgave that guy of his sins and then I completely healed him. Or Peter, how about the time that we were out on this lake in the middle of this chaotic storm and you were freaking out because you thought it was going to take your life and I just spoke and everything in an instant became peace. Or how about the time that we're we're hanging out and we find out about this widow who was in desperate need of somebody doing something miraculous for her because her son had tragically died. And in that moment, I did what nobody else could do, and I brought that person back to life. Peter, you know me. I mean, isn't all of this the reason you asked to come out on this water in the first place? So after all that we've been through, why are you so afraid? Why did you doubt? Why didn't you trust me? And see, when fear becomes our focus, Jesus doesn't shame us. And he definitely doesn't allow us to drown in our doubt. And said the same question that he asked Peter is the same question he asked us. Why don't you trust me? Because you've been with me for a long time now. You know me. You know what I can do. Because when you were in desperate need for help because of your sin, I forgave you. I completely healed you. So now those past scars and that past shame no longer defines who you are. All those times that you were freaking out because your life had become so chaotic, what did I do? I spoke to you in that moment, and I brought peace because I care about you. And when you were spiritually dead because of your sin, and you needed somebody to do something miraculous, even the historical evidence shows that I did what nobody else did. I tragically died on a cross in your place. And then three days later, I rose from the dead because I wanted you to spend forever with me in a place that is so much better than this one. So you know me. I mean, isn't that why you asked me to come into your life in the first place? So after all we've been through, why are you afraid? Why do you doubt? Why don't you trust me? And see, I love this question that Jesus is asking here. Because this question that he asked Peter and this question that he asked us shows us something so important. It shows us that doubt is a choice. See, so often, especially in my life, I haven't looked at doubt that way. I just look at it as something that I just kind of got to go through, just kind of got to make it through. And hopefully I turn out okay on the other side. Right, I'm just kind of in a season of doubt. That's kind of the way that I approached it. But see, that's not how Jesus looks at it here, is it? Because this question shows us that Jesus looks at doubt as a choice because he asked Peter the question, why did you doubt? Because when Peter saw this storm around him, Peter had a choice to make. He had a decision. He could choose to say yes or he could choose to say no to doubt. And in this moment, Peter chose to say yes. But see, you don't have to you don't have to say no to doubt. Because yes, just like this storm that Peter is facing in this story, the doubt that we experience is real and it's big and it's loud. But it doesn't have to be scary. Because see, that was the fatal flaw that Peter makes in this story. He doesn't think that Jesus can handle his fear. But he could. And he can handle yours too. So don't make the same mistake that Peter does here. Instead, learn the art of saying no to doubt. Because you do have a choice. And as we look at the last two verses of this passage, we see how we can do that. Because it says in verse 32, and when they got, caught, and when they got into the boat, the wind ceased and those in the boat worshiped Him saying, truly you are the Son of God. So they get back in the boat. Everything calms down. And in that moment, the disciples and Peter are finally able to see who Jesus is. They're finally able to see that he truly is the Son of God. In fact, in the book of Matthew, this is the only time the disciples refer to Jesus with this title. And then that they've kind of realized who he is, then they decide to worship him. But when I look at these verses, what I look at is is the fact that this is actually a shame, especially for Peter. Well, really only for Peter. Because Peter should have realized who Jesus was when he was out on the water. When him and Jesus were doing something miraculous, Peter should have understood in that moment who Jesus was. And in that moment, he should understand that he really was God's son. But Peter misses it. He gets scared. And then it's not until he gets back to the boat that Peter is able to worship Jesus. Now that everything is calm right now, that the storm is away and Peter's fear has left. See, it is so easy for us to worship God when life is simple, right? It's so easy for us to worship God when things are going the way that we want them to. But when doubt hits us, when we get scared, When life is difficult, that is when it is so hard to worship God. And so, so often we just kind of wait until the storm moves by, right? We just kind of wait until everything passes and then we feel that we can finally get our relationship with God the way that it should be. But what we have to remember that Peter doesn't is that even in your doubt, Jesus is still God's son and even in your doubt, you have no reason to be afraid. You have no reason to worry. And so if we want to understand the art of saying no to doubt, what we have to remember is that Jesus is always the son of God. And so we have to know that when we see something scary, when we see something that we fear, when we see something that causes us to doubt, what we have to hold on to is with the reality of what we already believe. Is that Jesus has gone to a cross and he's died. And he's now reigning over the universe. And so therefore you can trust whatever is happening in your life, that God is there with you and there's a reason that you're going through it. we have to believe what we already know to be true. Because if you want to learn the art of saying no to doubt, then you say no to what you see so you can say yes to what you believe. You say no to the fear in front of you that calls you to doubt, and you say yes to the God who's beside you, who's done everything possible. And then you choose to worship him now because he's still God regardless of what's going on in your life. See, as somebody who's walked through doubt a lot, it's good to ask questions, right? I've, I've learned that as, as, as a logical thinker than I am, I love asking questions. I love examining myself. I love doing research, right? All those things are so important. And if you're struggling with doubt, my encouragement to you is to do that. Because there's no question that's too hard for God, right? There's no question that you have that other people haven't looked at and examined and given good answers for. So we always look out right in the face. We never run from it and we never pretend like it's there. We always look on it head on. But this is what I learned. After all the questions are answered, after all the examining is done, after everything is over, at the end of the day, I've learned that I have to make a decision. I have to choose to believe or choose not to. I can either choose to be afraid or I can choose not to. And so tonight what I'm saying, as somebody who knows the the, the struggles of doubt and who's walked through that so many times in their life, what I'm saying to you is in this moment, choose to say no to doubt and choose to worship Jesus. I mean, I wish when I was going through my time of doubt, somebody just would have told me, just think about what God has done in your life. Just to remember everything that he's done. Right? Remember the moments in your room where you were alone and he met you there. Remember the times that you're at a place like this and you were worshiping and his presence was so real, he felt like he was closer than your skin. Right? Remember those moments. And hold on to who Jesus is. Because those moments are still real even when we doubt. And Jesus is still God's son even when we can't understand what's going on. So tonight, my challenge for you as we wrap up this is to choose to worship him. Don't wait until you're out of the water. Don't wait until you're back in the boat. Don't wait until life is easy. Don't wait until things seem good. Don't wait until life is better. Don't wait until you finally get to the other side. Choose to worship Jesus now, even when it's shaky, even when it's uncomfortable, and even when you have no idea what's going on. Because at the end of the day, he still loves you. He still died for you. He still forgave you. And he's still chasing after you. And so tonight, choose to worship him. Choose to say no to what you see and choose to say yes to what you believe. Choose to say no to doubt and worship the God who did everything to save you. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much for tonight. Thank you so much, Lord, that regardless of the doubt and the struggles that we're going through, we can always hold on to this reality that you are a God who died for us. That we can choose to say no to the fear that consumes us. And we can choose to say yes to a God who can always handle our fear. And so my prayer tonight, God, my hope tonight, Father, my desire tonight is that every single one of us will come to this place and say, I don't care if I feel uncomfortable. I don't care if it feels like the ground beneath me is shaky. I don't care if I'm looking over to the wind and I'm afraid. Because Jesus, you're bigger than that. And what we know from your word is that faith struggles make our faith stronger. And so tonight, God, my prayer for every single person in this room is that you'd make our faith strong, that we'd be reminded of who you are and what you've done for us, and that we'd worship a God who is always bigger and is always doing something when we can't see it. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.